Well, I just want to say um, this may be the most interesting and different Mother's Day that any of us have experienced. But you know what? I, I want to say this before I pray and get into the message that there's two scriptures that have just been such a, an encouragement to me throughout my life as a single woman, as a married woman, and as a mother. And the first one is in um, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. And this is what the Lord is speaking over you. And you know what? You may not, if you're not a mom by having children by birth, this, this whole thing, it applies to you. There are spiritual moms that have never had children. There are foster moms. Um, there are people that are in positions like mothers. And this verse is for you. And it's always been a steadfast place of encouragement for me. It says, uh, the Lord your God is in the midst of you. So wherever you are, he's there. Whatever situation or circumstance you're in, he's there. He's in the middle of it with you. You're not alone. He's a mighty one, a savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy and he will rest in silent satisfaction. And in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or recall them. He will exalt over you with singing. And the Lord told me, he says, what I, what I see when I speak that over you is he's silently resting in satisfaction and he's going, that's my girl. That's my girl. Look at her. She's doing the word. And I love it because you know what? We all have a past, but it says right there, he doesn't look at our past. He doesn't look at what we've done, where we've been. He looks at what we're doing right now. The second scripture I want to encourage you with is Habakkuk 2, uh, verse 19, 3, verse 19. Excuse me. It says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. So if you ever feel alone, don't feel alone because he's right there. We've got two scriptures that say he is there with me. He's like my army. He's there beside me with, with heaven's hosts. He makes my feet like hinds feet. Now that word hinds means deer or like a mountain goat. And he makes me to walk, not stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon the high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. So you know, as moms, we have a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of things that come across our path that we can even be concerned about. But God is right there with us in the middle, giving us um, encouragement, giving us wisdom, just downloading everything that we need to walk in this role as a mom or as a leader. Maybe you're not a birth mother, but maybe you're a leader of people. So I just want to encourage you today that this message, even though it's Mother's Day, it's not just a message for mothers. This is a message for all believers, all Christians. We can... Um, Look and learn from the principles of, of the word that we're going to learn today. So I want to pray. Father, I thank you that you give me clarity of speech. That you allow me to speak with accuracy your word, with precision, Father. And I thank you that there is a strong anointing upon me to deliver the word. And it goes through these cameras and it ministers to people. 
your people, Father. I thank you that, that eyes will be open to see things they never saw before. Ears will be open to hear things they never heard before. And that we would be set free out of bondage. Mental strongholds, Lord, would be broken. And Father, we would see your deep and vast love that you have for us. So I give you glory and honor, Father. And thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the title of this message is called Fully Embracing Life. And so, you know, with all the social distancing that's going on, it's greatly limited our physical contact. You know, we have to stay so many feet apart. There's plexiglass between me and the checkout person. Um, The smile is hidden behind the mask. You know, even the eyes that you see, sometimes they've lost their sparkle and they've lost their shine. And human touch is sometimes covered with the gloves that we have to wear. But with the demand of social distancing, you can also kind of feel the insecurity in some people. They try to back away. And you can sense the uncertainty and the unsettledness and even some suspicion Some are even undecided and skeptical and unsure. Generally speaking, embracing is kind of, it's our language. It's really part of our culture. So not to be able to embrace is sort of, it's difficult for us to even maybe wrap our mind around. Because embracing is our way of showing love affection and acceptance it's how we greet those who we love and who we're familiar with you know embracing is an outward gesture of bringing someone close to where you are so embracing is important to us and not just to us here in this country but embracing is it's a worldwide something that people do to bring them close to themselves. By definition, this is what the word embrace means. It means to cling to or clasp onto, to encompass, to seize eagerly, to hold on to, to take with willingness and to include as a part, to adopt. I thought that was an interesting word. To grip tightly or to firmly hold on to. And you know, I was thinking, the enemy thinks he's thrown a destructive uh, spin on the church and caused havoc. But it only appears that way. The body of Christ has really risen up. And she is taking her place in these times. She's coming to this place to be the glorious church that Jesus is coming back for. You know, Jesus is coming back for a strong church, a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a healthy church, one that's full of faith and full of life. And you know what? That's who we are becoming. Day by day, that's who the bride of Christ is becoming. You know, in Second Chronicles 16.9, it says that the, the eyes of the Lord are looking all over the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal and faithful to him. 
And I believe that that's what the church is doing. She is rising up to her place. And the Lord is showing himself strong on people that are standing up for him. Amen. So um, we're not going to be sidetracked by the things that are going on around us. We're not going to be uh, distracted and discouraged by the distractions of the age. And, you know, the word talks about that in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower. There are distractions of the age. And those distractions change throughout all centuries and all time. They've changed. But we are not going to be distracted. We're going to be have our focus set on the Lord. We're going to embrace his word, embrace Jesus, and we are going to be a strong church. Believers do need to be watchful that they don't allow this distancing, though, to filter into our spiritual lives and our relationships with Jesus. You know, I was thinking about it. Praise God, we don't have to social distance from him. We don't have to social distance from Jesus or the word. Isn't that good? That's good news. Um, More than ever, we must embrace the word, embrace Jesus, embrace faith, embrace prayer, and stay connected, embracing each other, even though it may be by telephone or Zoom call or texting. You've got to stay connected. And we have to work at it. You know, and of course, we have to respect the guidelines that are self set forth but corporately we as the church are a force to be reckoned with what does it say in matthew chapter 16 18 the gates of hell will not prevail against the church amen in john 8 12 jesus said i am the light to the world and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light and they will never walk in darkness Now, that's the passion version. In John 8, 31, it says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you will prove that you are my true followers. And the last one is in, I really like this one. It's in John chapter 8, verse 32. And this is still the passion version. If you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. So when we embrace truth... It releases freedom to come forth. We've got to act on the truth that we read. But doing the word, hearing the word together produces freedom. There is a lady that I want to talk to you about today who embraced her life with gracefulness, tenacity, and focus. And we all can learn some things from this account. And it comes from 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 8 through 37. Now, even though she was a woman, we can all learn some vital lessons from her life, her attitude, her outlook, and her actions. Her name isn't given to us, but she's a very prominent, well-to-do woman. Um, She's from the town of uh, um, Shunem, which is about 93 miles north of Jerusalem. She was married to an older man, and he was established in their community. He probably had his own business. They were very devout Jews, most likely descendants from the tribe of Issachar. They had no children, 
which we know in those days was considered to be somewhat of a curse, if you will. You know, to be barren was a shame because when you had children, especially sons, that was how the family name was carried on. That's how the her- your heritage was carried on. And also, it ensured that the mother would have security in her later years, especially if her husband died. So having children was very important. So we know that many times also when women were barren in the Bible, they could become embittered and unpleasant. But it's very interesting about this Shunammite woman. No matter how unpleasant her childless condition was, it did not stop her from being hospitable to her community. She used her home and her financial substance to bless others. She established connection in her community. You know, as I was just pondering this story and just thinking about it, she did not allow her barrenness to confine her and define her. We can't allow our present situation that we are in to confine, to restrict, or define us. God has more that we can tap into. But that's what we have to do is we have to stop looking all around us, stop being distracted by all the inconveniences and unpleasantness, and if we'll tap into the Lord, he'll show us what to do. You know, she had become familiar with this man of God, whose name was Elisha, who came through the area often. She frequently prepared meals for him. She perceived that in the later years of his life that he was going to need some place to rest and just to, you know, because they walked everywhere they went. And so that he would just need to sleep and, and rest. So she and her husband built on this room on the top of their house, and they put a bed in there, a lamp, a table, and a chair for this prophet and his servant so that when they traveled through the area, she would prepare meals for him, and he could go up there and he could rest. So one day, Elisha and his servant Gehazi, they were passing through the area, and Elisha says to um, Gehazi, go ask the Shunammite lady, what can we do for her to Give her appreciation for all that she's done for us. She's done so much. She built this room and she prepares us food. Go ask her if we can do anything for her. So Gehazi does. He asks her. He says, what can we do for you? Can we go to the king? Can we, can we give you any favors? Can we go to the government, provide you extra protection? Is there anything that we can do for you? And this is her response. She says, no, my family's good. They provide everything that I need. We're we're sufficient. We're good. But thank you. But Elisha was insistent on doing something for her. So Gehazi said, well, she doesn't have any children. She doesn't have a son. So Elisha asked her to come back up. And he said, this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she says, Look, don't kid with me. Don't toy with me. Don't tell me things like this. I didn't ask you for a son. Don't, don't, you know, pull my chain like this, if you will. But about a year later, we find her with a son. So several years had passed 
after this, and the boy was somewhere between seven and 10 years old. Now, this is where I'm going to actually pick up and I'm going to read from chapter four, verse 18. This is the Amplified Classic Edition. When the child had grown, he went out one day with his father to the reapers. But he said to his father, my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, carry him back to his mother. And when he was brought to his mother, he sat on her knee until noon and died. And when she went up, she laid him on the bed of the man of God, and she shut the door upon him and went out. And she called to her husband and she said, send me one of the servants and a donkey that I may go quickly to the man of God and come back again. And he said to her, why are you going to see him today? It's not a new moon or the Sabbath. And her reply was, it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, ride fast and do not slacken your pace for me unless I tell you to. So she set out and she came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, I that Shunammite woman is coming. And so Elisha says to him, run and meet her and ask her, is everything okay with you and your husband and with the child? And when Gehazi asked her, she said, it is well. Her son had died, but she said, it is well. When she came to the mountain of the man of God, she embraced his feet. Gehazi came to move her away, but the man of God said, let her alone for she's very upset and the Lord hasn't told me why. Then she said, did I desire a son, my Lord? Didn't I say, do not deceive me? Now notice there, she doesn't say my son died. Okay. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand and go lay the staff on the face of the child. If you meet anyone, do not stop, just keep moving. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and my soul lives, I will not let go of you. And Elisha arose and followed her. So Elisha picked up on the fact what happened to the son. Obviously. Now there's a lot of missing things in this story. A lot of things that you just have to kind of assume in your mind, you know. There's some holes here, but that's okay. So verse 31, Gehazi passed on before them and he got to the boy and he laid his staff on the child's face, but the boy neither spoke nor heard. So Gehazi ran back to Elisha and he said, he hasn't moved. He hasn't awakened. So when Elisha arrived in the house, the child was dead and laying upon his bed. So he went in, he shut the door on the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. He went up, lay on the child, he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched out himself upon him and embraced him. And the child's flesh became warm. Then he entered and he walked around the house back and forth, went up again, stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times and then opened his eyes. Then Elisha called for Gehazi and said, call his mother. And when she came in, Elisha said, embrace 
your son. So she came and fell at his feet, bowing herself to the ground. And then she took up her son and she went out. This is an awesome account of the power of God. And also we can clearly see the vast deep love of the father and Jesus. First, I want us to notice that this woman wasn't so distracted and depressed and discouraged about her condition of being barren. She wasn't looking inward. She was looking outward. And like I said before, it didn't define her and it didn't confine her. She moved outward and she wasn't so caught up with, I don't have any children. I don't have any children. Who's going to carry on my name? Who's going to take care of me? She wasn't wandering around in some kind of panic and despair, worrying about herself. She was moving outward into the community, helping other people. And when her son dies, her only son, mind you, is that not a picture of God and his son, Jesus? When her son dies, she doesn't seem to fly into some kind of panic mode. Now, we have to understand her heart had to be hurting. She had to be disheartened, right? Her son died. But the thing about it is she didn't allow her soul to be so overcome with emotion that she wasn't able to move out and make a decision. This woman made some quick decisions in the middle of death. You know, she obviously gets herself together, remains calm. She's focused and therefore she's able to make these wise and orderly decisions that move her forward. But the interesting thing to me is she immediately takes him and she lays him on Elisha's bed and then she shuts the door. I think she made the decision to take him to Elijah's room. For these reasons, because Elisha represented God. Okay. Remember, there was the prophet, the priest and the king, and he was a prophet. He was a man of God that traveled around and he spoke things from the Lord. Okay. She knew he operated in the power of God. If she had taken him to his room, perhaps the servants would have found him. And then there would have been this huge commotion. Oh my gosh, your son died. Your son died. And then the whole house would have known. However, she laid him on the prophet's bed and then shut the door so that he would be in safety and no one would know that he was dead. So she knew that no one was going to go up to Elisha's room. Then she said, I'm going to go get the man of God and he's going to take care of this. He's got the power of God to take care of the situation, to change it. She knew who to go to for help. She didn't wander around. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? She knew where to, who to go to and what to do. I think when she shut that door, she was like, she knew she would be back. Because remember, she told her husband, I will be back. So she had already made the decision. I'm going to the man of God. I'm going to get him to come back. And my son is going to live. So there was some decisions that she made. She shut that door to keep him safe and the situation quiet until she brought Elisha back with her. I see this as discretion 
in action. You know, there are sometimes that there are things that we shouldn't share with everybody. You know, and if you do need to share it for prayer agreement, it needs to be somebody that's full of faith, that's going to speak the word, that's not going to talk the circumstance or the problem. But discretion in action, I think, is really huge here because it doesn't say she told anybody. She just ran immediately to get the prophet. And remember, when her husband said, well, it's not a, you know, a holiday or a day that you're going to need this prophet. Why do you need to go? And she just responded, it's going to be all right. That's faith. That's a picture of faith. Then she says to her husband, send me one of those servants with the donkey so I can see the man of God. And after she said everything's all right, then um, she was watching her words. First words we say about something determine the outcome of that situation. We can't talk the problem and expect to receive the answer. Faith can't be mixed with fear or negativity. Bitter and sweet water don't flow from the same fountain. Right? So there, we can't talk two ways out of your mouth. That's what my mom used to say. You can't talk two ways out of your mouth. That's being what we call forked tongue. You know. So we've got to speak what we want to see. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. I think it's interesting that this woman says in verse 24, she saddled the donkey. The fact that she knew how to, she knew how to saddle the donkey is fascinating because if you think about it, a woman of her prominent stature didn't need to saddle the donkey. She had servants to saddle the donkey. But... She wasn't relying on anyone else to do what she knew she needed to do. This was something that she needed to do. We can't expect someone else to get our answer for us. You know, when, you, when we're in a crisis and we call other people to pray or we Google or Facebook and put, it, put things out there, you know, there are times that it just needs to be you and God because, see, that's... The whole precipice of the Christian faith, it's God removed the veil so he could be one with you. God wants to reveal himself to you personally. He doesn't want anybody in the mix between you and him. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. Just like 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, he's looking for those who are faithful and loyal to him, who are willing and able and ready to move out in faith and believe him. I'm just telling you, if you will believe God, he will show himself faithful on your behalf. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. You can take everything I own, but you can't take my knowing for sure that God is faithful. He has proved himself faithful to me and my family and my church over and over again. He will be faithful and true. But, we have got to get into that place where we, where we seek him on our own. Where we're not calling everybody else and they get the answer for you. You know, if you're a brand new Christian, there are times that we don't know what to do. And so we need help. But for those who are mature Christians, it's time to um, 
seek God on our own because God wants to speak to you personally. But I think it's interesting that she knew how to do the common day, everyday laborious things that we do in life. You know, she knew how to saddle a donkey. There were steps that she needed to take to get the result that she was desiring. So she had to keep focused and not distracted. You know, there may be some things that you need to do. Maybe the Lord has led you to do a a particular thing, but there's a lot of distractions. I know there are a lot of distractions going on. And it even seems like that we have been um, confined and restricted. And so it can tell your mind, well, I can't do that thing that the Lord wants me to do. After all, I can't go anywhere. I can't see anybody. I can't talk to anybody. But if we'll seek the Lord, he'll show a way. He'll make a way. I love this uh, passage in Philippians chapter 1. If I can just get there quickly. It's not in my notes, so you don't have to worry about throwing it up on the screen. Paul's in prison. And I want to read you exactly what it says. He talks about how the word is not confined. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know and continue to rest assured, brethren, that what has happened to me, this imprisonment, actually has only served to advance and give renewed energy and force to the spreading of the good news of the gospel. So see, even though he was in prison... There was, the gospel was going forth with energy, even though he was in prison. So God, when God tells you to do something, in his mind, there is no confinement. There is no maybe. It's not, it's not maybe it will or maybe it won't. It is an in fact, um, emphatic possibility with him. It always comes back on us. Do we say it is possible? It always comes back on us. So maybe, you know, there's some things that the Lord wants you to do. But don't look around and see how you're restricted. You're confined. You go before the Lord and you say, Father, what is it you want me to do? There's nothing that will stop me from being obedient to you. And I'm telling you, he'll begin to show you and he'll begin to speak to you. You know, anyone who's done anything great for God didn't do everything they wanted to. And it didn't always look like what they thought it would. I know that's happened in my life. It doesn't always look like what I want it to. But. It's not about what I want it to look like. God is looking for me to be obedient. Two things the Lord's looking for me to do. To believe his word and to be obedient and walk in it. This woman, we can see she's very determined and she's very decisive. She tells the servant to ride fast and don't slow down for me on account of who I am. She says, no bathroom stops. This is a nonstop flight to Mount Carmel, about 20 miles. Can you imagine 20 miles on a donkey? I'm thinking, ouch. You know, she doesn't stop and visit any friends on the way. She's just focused, determined. She's got to get to the man of God. You know, to be able to make decisions like this, you've got to be in tune 
with the Holy Spirit. We can't be wrapped up in the emotion of the moment because we won't be able to hear the Holy Spirit. That's why keeping your emotions in check is so important because when we're all wrapped up with all the things that are going on, you can't hear the Holy Spirit's voice. So when Gehazi runs out and he says, is everything okay with you? Is everything okay with your husband and your child? And when she responds, everything's all right. Again, she's watching her words. She didn't speak the facts. She was waiting to go to the source because she knew he had the answer. You know, as a believer, um, we've got to know who to go to for the answer. God has the answer. Sometimes we go to other sources, friends or a website. But God has the answers that we need. When she finally reaches Elisha, then she kind of lets it go. She embraces his ankles. And basically she said to him, you know, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go until you come back with me. As long as there's breath in my body, I will not let you go until you come with me. And, you know, we've got to embrace God. We've got to embrace his word. Just like this woman embraced Elisha, he's representative of God. And we all know that God and his word are one. They can't be divided. So we've got to embrace the word. It is our source. It is our answer. It is everything that we need. And when you embrace it like this, God will show himself strong on your behalf. And we know that Gehazi put that staff on that boy's face and nothing happened because the power of God wasn't in operation through Gehazi. But when Elisha reaches the room and he shuts the door, God breathed his breath of life into that young boy. His breath of life came back into that boy and he was raised from the dead. You know, maybe some of you have sons or children that have walked away from God. Maybe they were followers followers of Christ at one time, but maybe they're walked away and for you, they're spiritually dead. God is going to breathe the breath of life back into those prodigals. Personally, there are a lot of prodigals that we know um, from people that we know. We are standing for those young men and young women to return to God because they walked with him at one time. They will come back and acknowledge him. You know, maybe there's a dream that you've had and it's seemingly dead for whatever reason. You know, something happened and it doesn't seem like it can come to pass. But God dropped something in your heart. Let the Lord breathe his breath of life back into that situation. You know, God's plans and purposes for you are not on hold. They're not um, canceled. They're not quarantined. God's plans and purposes have not been altered by all the stuff that's gone on. You know, he knew it a long time ago. And so this hasn't shaken him. Aren't you glad? So we have to keep focused. Keep focused on Jesus. Embrace his word. Embrace his love. Embrace all that he has for us. 
because he's got a way out. He's got the answers. He's got life. He has everything that we need. You know, I just want you to be encouraged today that God is for you and he will not relax his hold on you. You know, in Hebrews chapter 13, this is another one of my favorite scriptures. It's 13, 5 and 6. This is halfway through verse 5. It says, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. And this is what I want to get to, or relax my hold on you. So he's already embraced us. He's embraced you. Now today, I want you to embrace him, embrace his word, embrace all that he has for you. And verse 6 says, so we can take comfort and we are encouraged and we're confidently and we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? What is the answer? Nothing. Man can't do anything. Because when God is on your side, you can't help but win. You cannot help but be victorious. But I want you to embrace him. Embrace all that he has for you. Father, we just thank you for your presence Lord I thank you for your comfort and I thank you for your peace Father for anyone out there that is dealing with any kind of emotion that is not from you if it's shame or embarrassment or discouragement our disappointment, our fear. I bind those things in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you right now that you, there, there's no distance in this spirit. You are right there. Holy Spirit, you're right there. You're right there to breathe the breath of life back into those ones that are dealing with dreams that have seemingly died and dropped to the ground you're there father to breathe the breath of life back into those prodigals and breathe encouragement into the parents lord and shore them up and reassure them that you are working and when we pray when we go to our closet and we shut the door and we pray to you you will show yourself strong on our behalf When we go to you, Father, in prayer, and whatever it is, Lord, you will show yourself strong for us because you love us. Oh, because of your great, vast, and deep love, Lord. Thank you. Thank you.